The following podcast episode is recommended for a mature audience. It may contain coarse language and the topics discussed might be inappropriate for people under 15 years of age. Listener discretion is advised. Sorry, I was, I was actually, I mean, that was great, a great tangent you went off, but I was thinking when you were growing up, who were like your role models, you know, in terms of musical theatre? Like who did you aspire to be or if, if anyone, you know? Gosh, I didn't have any role models, really. I had, I had the amateur world. I saw the amateur world and I had these, I had these other men and I was arrogant and I had a lot of natural ability. My technique was terrible, but like, but I, I could screech down the rafters and I thought that the, the the best way to sing is to sing the loudest, highest note possible. And some parts of that, is, <laughs> right? Um, and oh, my, my acting God. was just me furrowing my brow and looking angry. And, um, and all I thought was, if I can sing louder and higher than these other grown men, then I am better. I am better than they are. And, you know, uh, unfortunately, a lot of amateur um, musical producers and music directors agreed with me. Uh, thus, continuing the, the the pumping of my ego and head. But I, yeah, I didn't really have that many, um, I guess, no, I lie. I have venerated and admired the work of Anthony Warlow for the, for the better part oh, okay. of Okay. Yep. That man has golden pipes. I aspire to one day meet with him. It was an honor to know that um, what last year or the year before, he um, a- uh, Anthony Wallow won a Green Room Award for the best musical theater performer in Australia, which he shared with my castmate, with my classmate, Georgina Hobson, who graduated wow. in the wow. as me in the Queensland Con. And um, that to me was like, I mean, it's a degree of separation, but it's it's actually really so cool to me that so many of my direct friends right now are at the cutting edge of Australia's musical theatre scene. Shrimshri Kandia went to the Queensland Con, she's just been announced as, uh, as Cinderella. Um, Dominic Woodhead is the associate music director for Frozen. Um, the, uh, the, the, uh, the first cover, Anna, is, um, and the Anna herself, actually, are um, uh, Queensland Con people, Kimberly Hodgson and, um, and Courtney Monsma, um, and there's jo- Jordan Malone as well. Um, C- uh, Connor Sweeney is off in is off in Harry Potter land. Georgina Hobson has just joined Jagged Little Pill and uh, won an award for being the best music theatre performer in Australia called the Rob Guest Endowment, which received a lot of flack last year because there were no people of colour in the top 30 of the best music theatre. Uh, they're all white. <laughs> there, are no Asian, there, are no, there are no brown people that, that are worthy of this award or being considered in the top 30. That's what they said. Um, and they're in deep flack for that. But questions like that are being are being articulated more. And uh, Vidya McCann, who is an extraordinary human, uh, recently of of six fame, um, she's a wonderful performer too. It, it's such a such an honor for me to be to have so many extraordinarily talented friends who are all doing incredible things. And you know, I'm sure I've missed out names like like Lachlan Neat and and John O'Hickey, all kinds of friends, all kinds of folk. Do you love that this diversity angle is coming up and that more people are being seen and having those opportunities? Do you love that? Yeah, because it means I get more work. <laughs> <laughs> but no, being I'll... part of that and representing that, it must be very, you know, gratifying for you to be one of the, the leaders in that, I feel. It is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to be able to ask the question not only of producers but of society, what is acceptable now? Um, I, I play for your viewers, and I know you're aware of this, but for your viewers, 
Currently, my job in Frozen is to play King Agnar, who is the father of two iconically Caucasian girls in the Frozen franchise, Anna and Elsa. Not only does no one care that I'm a Chinese man, the, 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 the father of two white girls, but our cast of young Anna's and Elsa, uh, Elsa's is also incredibly diverse. We have people from all kinds of different backgrounds. And seeing that reflected and listening, one of the greatest, we, the Theatre Royal Drury Lane seats about 2,000 people. It's a little bit less than that, so it's about 2,000 people. And seeing that reflected in, in, young, um, in young, young people of color coming to the theatre for the very first time and saying, hey, that's me, and not knowing otherwise is something that I didn't have. Our first cover, Elsa, is an extraordinary human named Danielle Fiamania. I hope I didn't mispronounce her name. And she happens to be black. And we were talking about this backstage. There's a website which chronicles all of the performances that have happened at the Theatre Royal Drury Lane, which is the oldest theatre in, in the West End. And the research says that Danielle is the first woman of colour to lead a company here at Theatre Royal Drury Lane. Wow. It is, it's a wonderful thing that this world of seeing people of color, seeing yourself reflected on a stage, is something that is just going to be normal for the next generation. That they won't have the same difficulties that I, that I had of, of wondering, well, if I don't look the part, does that mean I have to be like twice as good? Does that mean I have to work twice as hard yeah. in all the same rooms? Does yeah. that mean um, that I have to, you know, I've got to sing twice as loud and twice as high? <laughs> I have to train twice as hard? Do I have the capacity to take my to take days off? Or do I need to get in the gym to make sure that I'm twice as fit? And it's a mental health thing too. It's access. It's a stuff, it's the stuff that we talked about earlier about the Harlem Globetrotters. It's about it's about being able to own different stories, being able to tell and having the capacity to, to own some part of the West End now. That's exciting to me. It's dynamic, it's human. And we're fundamentally, I think that there is something, there are two reasons that you go into theater, right? At all levels. One, because it makes you money, right? <laughs> I'm good at it, it makes me money. I want to, and to be frank, I, I make I make more money as a teacher than I do as a performer. <laughs> no, it's not that much money, even though I'm on But gripes aside, so, so you, you enter it because it makes you money. The other, the other idea of, of entering musical theater or any arts is that you have some kind of moral or ethical responsibility to reflect society to explore empathy, yeah. to help people ask questions. So does it function as therapy? Does it function as a, as a mirror to, to, to reflect the questions, to explore the dark corners of who we are? I believe yes. And to be able to do that in such a beautiful way, because this show is so well-crafted, is yeah. such an honor. Because I look around and even now, like I watch, I watch Western shows and not every Western, my cup of tea there are some really terrible western shows out there <laughs> yeah like someone took a giant deuce on the stage <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's a joy to be part of i've actually been really lucky that all of the projects that i've been involved with have been things that i fundamentally believe in so what a joy to not only believe in the story and the beauty of this disney of this disney piece frozen but also to believe in the larger conversation that Frozen provides around it, around their decision to diversely cast, their decision, their conscious political decision 
to make sure that there'd be space for people like me. For our, for our cast is ridiculously diverse. It's wonderful. And we are changing, which we're starting to change the attitudes of not just the West End, but the world. What a thing to be a small part of that, you know? I was going to say, is it, do you get, you know, you get children, you obviously get a lot of children coming to watch Frozen and they wouldn't even go, why, why do you look like that? You know what I mean? They just <laughs> instantly accept you, correct? They're not thinking, oh, shouldn't you look like so-and-so from the cartoon or from the movie? <laughs> yeah. do, you, do you find that? Do you, do you find you're instantly accepted as the king? And Kids get taught what to, you have to be as, uh, as, as Rogers and Hammerstein said in South Pacific, you have to be careful. You've got to be carefully taught. You got to be carefully taught um, for uh, th these 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 values, and maybe laugh because two things. One, I used to do kids parties. You know, back in Australia, um, yeah. I did superhero parties, and I'd constantly get, "Hey, Iron Man's not Asian. Why does that <laughs> man have brown skin? That doesn't make sense." And they punch me in the crotch because they're, they're oh, right. <laughs> and then so, so there's that. There's that. But there's also um, I was. Uh, I don't know why, but I'll, like I troll YouTube a lot, and the, my my wife Jess was showing me this um this this right wing YouTuber who had who reviewed Frozen, and his main takeaway his main takeaway not only about the you know the set the story his main takeaway was it didn't make sense that young Elsa is a young black girl, and then suddenly she's a beautiful white girl, and does that mean that you know the magic turn someone from a black person who is ugly into a white person who's beautiful? Or is that magical too? And is it by, ca by casting people who don't look like, uh, who don't look the same, the as in that the child is of a different race than the, than the, the adult actress, aren't you reducing the entire play, the entire thing into, into a commentary about race? And this is a, an example of left wokeism and like, what, why would you go and do that? Now I'm concentrating on that and I'm, I'm not enjoying the story. Disney do better was his main point. And you will have people who have those ideas and that is okay. In fact, that I think is the reason why theater is around to provoke a conversation. Yes, yeah. conversations like that have yeah. viewpoints that and then um and then hopefully people will start to be open to changing those viewpoints the more um the more specifically and and um repetitively and openly these yeah. issues are addressed um it's it's lovely have you had other like even like asian kids come up to you or anything like that going oh wow that was amazing or you know we have a, a pretty yeah, I, I, I have. You're not the only people who have reached out and, and said something along these beautiful lines of congratulations on on, on helping to articulate my story. Um, and I I too have felt underrepresented and you've given me hope, which is always a lovely thing to hear because my in my own head and in my own world, I'm alone and I'm fighting these battles on my own. And I'm, I'm worthless sometimes. And I know it's not true, but, you know, validation is always important. <laughs> um, we have a... We have a um, we have a pretty a pretty stringent stage door po policy right now because of COVID. We're yeah. not meeting meeting our audience members, and actually uh, our audiences have been incredibly respectful. Not only in their in their use of masks to come and sit in on our audiences, but also to um to not um to not come and hassle us at well not hassle but but, but ask us yeah. to interact. We'd love to, you know. I, I love yeah. interacting with people. Um, I haven't seen as much of that as I would as I would like to, but I know that it's there. And I yeah. know that we're 
hopefully comments on the internet be, uh, about it. Uh, I try to stay away from uh, from that as much as possible. Like my social media presence is fairly small uh, generally. Um, so talking to people like you is is a wonderful eye opener into into why this work that I'm doing matters, uh, in, into into the importance of it. Even though it's something small, all I'm doing is playing. I mean, let's be honest, it's just theater. It's just theater. I'm just you know dressing up and singing songs, and yet it can it, it can have so many ramifications for opening up the imagination and what is possible mm. in this world. I think it's also not just so much about what like what you feel like you're doing, but the impact on other people that like you know, and a young Asian person, a young Asian child might see you playing this particular part and then be like, hey, I could do that too, you know, like, but like, you know, seeing those people, you know, people that you can identify with, like mm. being successful, like it affects you when you're a kid, because then you see, oh, like, well, I don't know that, but I'm assuming that's true. <laughs> like, well, re seeing represent representation, it's really important. Like, it's one oh. of the reasons I was so looking forward to seeing Shang-Chi. I'm still dying to watch it on Disney Plus because it's just come out for free. And I'm mm. no, not free. I'm, I'm, I didn't just didn't see it in the cinema. But, you know, that makes my, you know, it makes my heart sing knowing they've got this Asian superhero out there for the Marvel Universe and there's so many people. Mm. And now you can turn up at Shang-Chi at kids' parties, Chris, and no one's going to blink twice at you. <laughs> <laughs> it's another role for you to play effortlessly. But, um, you know, it's just, you know, I think being uh, Asian in growing up in a Western society, it is so great to have all this representation everywhere. And I really, I really love it. And, yeah, so I'm getting tired and emotional, but I, I feel like it's, it's fantastic what you're doing. And I also just ask Chris, like, um, since you play the parts in the theatre, have you ever considered, like, writing your own play to star in or maybe just writing a play based on a story that you have or anything like that? Or is it more you prefer the acting sort of side of it? I don't know if I'm a playwright, but I just wrote a play. <laughs> I just oh, finished. nice. <laughs> it's a, it's a one-man play. And um, I, I'm actually uh, – the log line is – uh, a rational every man processes a breakup by deciding to eat himself. And uh, <laughs> so that's the, that's the log line. Um, and I actually have a meeting with my, my resident director from Frozen, a gentleman named Alex Paul Sims. Thank you, Alex Sims, has uh, has read it. And I've got meetings with him and a whole bunch of other people to start uh, to start noting it. And and, and I think the wow. next day I put it on. Um, and I think the intention is to, to find a gap of time, maybe a year or two, where I'll apply for a whole bunch of grants and then I want to perform it um, across the UK. Um, I want to I want to do this. I'm not I'm, I'm not actually sure if it's a one man or a two man play just yet. But um like the the influences of things like uh, Neil Gaiman's Sandman series and H.P. Lovecraft and Economic McPherson and um, a whole bunch of a play called Baby Reindeer by a gentleman named Richard Gadd. And it's, it's very dark and very Cthulhu and very secret society. And the, the, the name of the piece currently is the Society for New Cuisine. Um, and so <laughs> a, a little bit of, I, I mean, it's it's really, the, it's, it's the plot of a degeneracy of one man. So the descent, uh, the descent of one man through a breakup. Uh, dude loses his partner and then he sobs about it, is sad, meets a new person. A uh, new person is a little bit weird, but incredibly sexy. And... <laughs> inspires in him passion and desire to hungers that he didn't know that he had and one day decides to go masturbate at work and then gets fired from it um, and, he, and then he needs money to fund his lifestyle 
and he get he finds a Facebook ad or a social media ad which asks for a blood donation in return for a thousand pounds. And it seems weird, but he's a he's an ex lawyer, so he researches it, finds out that it's legit, goes along for the ride, and it's not. It's 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 straight up. It's legit. Gets paid money, and eventually it escalates. They don't just want blood. They want uh, while you're there. You know, I've noticed that you've got a couple of rotten teeth. Can I take those teeth out for free? Would you agree? Oh, take out oh rotten my teeth. God. What if I give you eight thousand pounds for a healthy tooth? Um, and then the final bit. I suppose no, I you know it keeps going. I don't want to give away the end, I suppose, but it keeps going, um, and and this man makes makes this decision of what will he do, and it's against his backdrop of 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 uh, the the Cthulhu mythos and secret societies and cannibals. Yeah, I know Cthulhu is a big um, octopus thing. <clears throat> Octopus will will stand. I'll I'll take big octopus for one pound or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Have so, you, you written know, a um, musical interlude in there as well, Chris? It's not a musical. It's a straight play. No, no. Straight play you, have you written a musical interlude like just in the middle, like oh, here's our music break? <laughs> I'm just <laughs> no, kidding. but that's but I'm, I'm, we're still early days. I'm still just writing, so uh, like I don't know where the idea will take me. Um, the, the next step is to to find more people like my like my mate Alex Sims and. Maybe maybe some other director buddies to um, to give me feedback. Some dramaturgs. I'll meet. I've got a couple of meetings with some producers. We'll see. We'll see what we'll see what ends up happening. Awesome. To, to find the idea, it's exciting. I don't know if I'm a playwright though. I just know that I needed to write this idea down. This idea was fun to me. Sounds like something that would go to Edinburgh. Burr, burr, if I can. You know what? That. I've never been through to the Edinburgh Fringe. Mm. I. It would be lovely. It's just I've had the first world problem of always being of always being engaged in a performance. For performing contract over that September, August, September, October period. So you know, maybe, maybe, maybe I'll take some time out to do the to do the Edinburgh Fringe thing. I can't, uh, I can't, I'll, I'll wait till it comes on Netflix because I don't know when I'm going to be coming to London soon. But you never know when those <laughs> sort of shows eventually go to Netflix, and I'll be I'll be keeping an eye out for you, Chris. <laughs> One thing um, I'll say too is like um, you're never really like a playwright or a director or whatever until you do it. You know, and once you do it, you are. It doesn't matter if it's small. Like if you go write a book or something and you publish 10 copies, you still wrote a book. Heck yeah. Um, wise words, wise words. I guess I'm a player right now. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, go Chris. Woo. <laughs> well, I actually don't, I don't consider it a play. I didn't consider myself playwright until it's found, um, until it's been performed in front of, it's performed commercially in front of a paying audience. You're so an we'll aspiring playwright. You know, we always give, we always usually do something like a top five because we are a kind of a review show. Um, and I was just going to say, do you have a top five, like maybe top five musicals you've seen in your life or top five movie musicals or some sort of top five recommendations you can give to people for musicals maybe? Or, or yeah, yeah, that's a great question. That's a great. So if you've never, um, if you've never entered the world of musical theatre before, there's a whole bunch of stuff out there. And unfortunately, it seems like um, the most uh the majority of professional musical theatre is coming out of America and out of out of London. But I've got a couple of great recommendations. Um, You're in Town the Musical by Cotus. And who's the other writer? Cotus and You're in Town is really fun. No, it's just by Greg Cotus. I was right the first time. Um, by, by Cotus and Holman. Is, uh, is is an extraordinary piece. It's beautiful. It's Disney-esque. It's disgusting. Uh, it's, it's wonderful. Just a wonderful piece. Um, awesome. 
the music of uh, so Jason Robert Brown. If you if you've never, if you've never come across Jason Robert Brown's mm-hmm. stuff before, he's got an incredible style. He's done stuff. Uh, his his um his most well known, I suppose, would be a piece called The Last Five Years, which the concept is simple. It's a story of a breakup. It's a start start of a relationship to the end of the relationship. However, the boy sings from start to no. The girl sings from the no the. The boy sings from start of the relationship to the end, and the girl sings from the from the end of the relationship to the start. Right? Oh wow! Yeah, and it's stunning. It's beautiful. Oh. But my, that's not my favorite Jason Robert Brown piece. My favorite Jason is Parade, which tells the story of a Jewish man who is accused of raping a small girl in a in a Jew, in a, in a factory, <laughs> like, uh, early seventeenth century, uh, no, ni- early nineteenth century America, and um. And it's 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 stunning. It's beautiful. There are racial tensions all the way through it, and the music is extraordinary. It's exquisite. So parade. So what? You're in town by Curtis and Holman. Uh, parade by JRB. Um, you got to chuck a song time in there. Must chuck a song time in there. And my favorite song time um, is uh, Sunday in the Park with George, which which originally starred um, a man named Mandy Patinkin, who is my favorite singer of all time. Really? Is that the guy from Mandy The Patinkin. Princess Bride? Yeah, yeah, well done, Matt. Yeah, he oh. was uh, uh, Mandy Patinkin very iconically played as a young man, Inigo Montoya. My name is Inigo Montoya. Yes. Prepare to die. Prepare <laughs> for a 16-year-old man. Prepare to die. And Mandy Patinkin has given a whole bunch of uh, interviews on YouTube to aspiring drama students. He's never considered himself a singer. And if you listen to the stuff even, even now available on YouTube of him singing, he's exquisite. Exquisite, absolutely exquisite. One because he he's he's got this wonderful beauty, this freedom of his tone. His version of Rainbow is is um is is simply stunning. But everything that he does, regardless of whether it's singing, whether it's straight acting, there is a truth. There is a his body vibrates, his brain vibrates. You can see the content of his heart, and he's just an extraordinary performer. Sunday in the Park with George. He originated that with. Uh, another really oh, wasn't he in Yentl as well? Wasn't he in Yentl with Barbara Streisand? Very likely. Originally, with I'm gonna kill myself later on. Um, I'm sure he was original in thought. Original. He was in Criminal Minds as well. And home yes, he was. We he left. Bernadette Peters. How could I forget Bernadette Peters? Goodness gracious. So those are my oh, thoughts. Yes. Three of my top five so far. What was it? Uh, you're in town and uh, parade and a Sunday in the park with George, and um, a piece, a piece that has, uh, a piece that is really, uh, <laughs> the piece that that the that really, really tickled my fancy. I know it's really, it's silly, but um, you're a good man, Charlie Brown. Oh, a, oh a, I you, love Charlie yeah, Brown. It's, it's silly and it's whimsical and it's. Yeah. it's Feels in the same world as the 25th annual um, County Putnam Spelling Bee. It feels like in that world. And there's new. There's actually a new musical based on the world of Winnie the Pooh with puppetry that kind of feels oh, similar. Oh wow! Yeah. Um. So so that you're a good man, Charlie Brown. And number five, I think it would be difficult to go past one of the major musicals. You know, and you know, the, the big musicals, the the superstar musicals, kind of define the 90s. You know, they're Les Mis and Miss Saigon and Phantom of the Opera. For me, it'll always be Les Mis. Uh, it'll always oh be my wow! First one. I, I wonder, but you know, those shows are kind of dangerous yeah. for, for performance because you spend a whole year, you you spend a whole year being like singing about these like incredibly depressing, sad things, and it's yeah. it's it's about <laughs> it's it's about like big sad emotions.
please cry for the next two and a half hours. Can you be depressed for <laughs> two and a half hours for the next year, right? And you, and you leave the building and you, you lose the ability to smile once more, right? That's why the day, I, 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 I truly believe one of these days um, I, I will, I'll have the opportunity. Maybe, maybe I'll have the opportunity to play Jean Valjean. But I want to add, I have to add, I've got to add one more to that list and it should have been, num it should have been number one, but uh, I will add it now. And that is The King and I. And uh, yeah. Choice King and I, because um, for the ensemble there isn't much to do, and some people, many people, very, uh, very, very validly, validly, very validly say that the King and I is a dated musical because it has uh, a number of um, number of key concepts in its play that no, are no longer that relevant to society. As in this idea of uh, a king with many concubines, and there's a lot of misogyny, and there's a mm. lot of of this idea of, of patriarchy and male dominance and men make decisions and the and some would say argue um, people would argue that the, the beauty of the piece is that uh, is in that relationship between Anna Leon Owens and King Monkut, the King of Siam that um, that Anna is a strong independent woman who through this new relationship which is definitely filled with love although it doesn't have to be romantic love it could be platonic love manages to understand and change the mind of a um of a, of a growing empathy uh, within the king monkut so you have this lovely yin yang kind of feeling energy and some people say that well it's it's dated and it's it's a it's a dinosaur and it's a, it's a creature of its time and i i wouldn't argue against it but there is a sheer opulence with the music yeah and there's a sheer sweeping scope yeah um within it and certainly for a certainly for an Asian, well, it is it'll always have a beautiful place in my heart because it was my professional thing. Yeah. The challenge in playing the king, in that you can play him two-dimensionally like a clown. It's yeah. very easy clown, an angry clown. The difficulty is in finding the humanity within him, to find something which is to find that to, to articulate the challenge of a man wrestling fundamentally with tradition, with with what society has told him that he must be. And these new, more Western ideas of equality and egalitarianism, and and um, and that a woman can have a point of view which is just as valid as a man. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, I think that that's beautiful. I also think that it's two-dimensional, and that there are other there are other pieces that also explore the same material um, with, with an aesthetic that is closer in line with today's with today's attitudes. But you cannot go, you cannot get away. Musical theater is beautiful because of its yeah. come from. And you cannot ignore that history. You have to understand and, mm. and, and, and taste of its history before you mm. can define it for today. So I think that this, I think that that's a group of six, you know, pieces which- You can, I mean, obviously you could come up with 20 by the sounds of it, but I was just <laughs> going to say, um, I, I love that, um, you know, you've picked from, you know, recent and the past and, um, and, and the musicals you picked, like the ones that I've heard of, um, I, I know that orchestration, like Les Mis, is such a depressing story, but the music is beautiful. You know what I mean? Beautiful. Those songs, the songs just stay in your head. And even like the movie, the movie was so depressing and they, you know, oh, they look so awful. With Hugh Jackman, you mean? Yeah, with Hugh Jackman. Oh, and Russell Crowe oh, was gosh. terrible. My God, Russell Crowe. And Crow. Samantha Box. Samantha Box played Eponine, and now I get to share a stage with her. She oh, plays Elsa. Oh, my God. Elsa in Frozen. How wonderful. Yeah. Which is, you know, extra. She's that's your lame is full circle. There, you've, you're uh, one degree away from that lame is movie now. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe the remake. Maybe. The remake with uh, you in the Valjean, or maybe, maybe like, in twenty years time, right? Maybe it. twenty years time, there'll be an Asian Valjean somewhere. 
That would be wonderful, wouldn't it? And um, but yeah, the king and I. I was just going to say with the king and I. Do you find it's hard to go past? Excuse me, past your Brinner in terms of that iconic performance of his. You know, like do you find when you're playing the king? Does, do you do you find that as an actor or you know in, in musicals? Do you find you're always do you make that role your own or do you see those iconic performances and you can't help be influenced by them? You must be aware of them, I think. Mm. But isn't the whole part point of live performance that you are seeing somebody right now thinking the thoughts as they sing, give the semblance that they're discovering things right in that moment? Isn't that mm. the excitement? You can see someone caught between indecision, that you can see, um, that you can hear. I think the only, here's something that I say to a lot of my students, right? Musical theater is, as in singing songs, is one of the most inefficient ways of getting information, just pure text across. <laughs> like you have a three minute song, you could say that in like 10, in like 10 seconds, right? Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why plays have so much more information in them than musicals. Mm -hmm. so the question then becomes, why would you do a musical over a play? And the answer is, Musicals and singing, your vocal tone contains emotional information mm. that it is much harder to communicate in straight words. Mm. So one metaphor that I use with my students a lot is that um, you don't come to me to learn how to sing the right notes. The right notes, everyone, that's the basic level of entry. Everyone can sing the right notes. It's not about singing the right notes. It's about the quality with which you sing those notes. It's about how you transition between notes. It's the colors that you have access to that, that enable us to, to, uh, to suppose that you might be thinking a certain thing or that might hint at a different thing. And the people who have a greater capacity to express those colors, that's the difference between getting paid 100,000 pounds a year or pounds. That's the difference, colors. Mm. Mm. I wish someone thought like that so, before they did the Cats movie because that was a disaster. <laughs> oh. Look, um, <laughs> the, I, it's it's one of the rules about uh, one of the unspoken rules about um, about musical theatre performers is it's very difficult to be a reviewer um, uh, or, or to put your own opinions out there in a public space because they might be people that you'll work with, and mm. so you can't. So you can't you can't say. <laughs> yes, I'll, yes. I'll just leave it. I'll just leave it at that. You know. Yeah, you never know. We can we yeah. can rip people apart. It's all good. <laughs> you, you never know. You never know who you're going to work with next. I understand that, but yes, what? you know. You know what? You you can give cats. At least they tried to do something different. I'll, I'll give. They tried to do something. You know, and always, there's value always. with that. To answer your question, like you have to find yourself. Heck yeah! Like you, you are you, you are you, and you're gonna have your own. You are you are hired fundamentally because you have. There's a color in you that that is interesting. That um uh, and th and that process of exploring stuff right then. That is that is it's 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 the only reason why live theater is is beautiful rather than watching a video. I mean, if you thought that it's just about replicating the most perfect moment over and over again, why not just watch movies? You yeah. come to watch the live theater to see someone articulate what they think right now. Um, and that is exciting, that, 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 mm. that might be exciting to you as a musical theater performer. Otherwise, what the heck are you doing? Uh, mm. Otherwise, eight shows a week becomes a drudgery, becomes boring. When I go, uh, you know, I, I, I'm into, I like watching live tennis. I've, I'm a tennis fanatic as well, but I was just going to say my favorite, you know, I've always been a movie buff, but my favorite thing to watch are live musicals, honestly, you know, because you've got everything. You get dancing, you get singing, you get acting, you get everything, you, know, you get a bit of everything. And I feel like, you know, I feel for people who never experience that because, you know, it's either too expensive 
offensive or they feel like they have to see the big production and and even like um when I was in high school I, I went in one musical you probably never heard of called Smithy it was this Australian musical <laughs> I only went in it to get out of sport but it was great you know like I love the on being in the ensemble I was only in the choir but it was just so it was so fun to be part of this live sort of uh you know ensemble as you would say you know and um and performing it every night even those front of parents and other you know students and stuff but it's just you know there's something about that live connection you have you know that is very difficult to replicate you know I've worked in television for a long time as well and it's and when you do live television and all the pre-records it's so different the energy is just different so I feel like that's the that's the power of that medium you know it's 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 um I, I I understand why people would just do it even if you know just for the love of it you know I've only I love watching one, it I've only been to one musical and it was at Sydney Opera House and I was like 17 or something for it was like a music excursion and um after after the musical the director like proposed to his girlfriend and I just thought that was such a that was such a cool way to end the day, you know, like just after he did, I think it was his debut performance as a director. So wow. uh, is it called a director? Uh, yes. The guy who's like waving the thing. Um, cool. no, that's conductor. Cool. Conductor. conductor well, yeah. It's likely that the conductor would have also been the musical director. So mm. in a, you have many different creatives. You will have a music director who's in charge of keeping the music in shape. So he'll be in charge of rehearsing and, and, and conducting the band as well as the cast. Then you'll have the choreographer and the associate choreographer who will be in charge of um, making sure that the movement and dance is kept in, in is taught and kept at a high standard. And you'll have the director um, uh, who's, who's in charge of all everything else, like acting. You'll also have the stage manager who will be in charge of other elements like puppetry and automation and and projections and, and making sure that things fly in and fly out. Do you have, um, <laughs> do you have five favourite film musicals like that have been, you know, transferred to screen? Are there any that you'd recommend for all those who can't make the theatre? <laughs> ah, um, Sound of music has got to be on there. What was that? Sound of music has got to be on there, surely. Oh, no. <laughs> Maria, what is it you can't face? What... <laughs> um movie musicals movie musicals they've been a relatively recent phenomenon as in uh, i mean we've had them all the way through all the way through from the 19 like 19 1950s 1960s onwards um <clears throat> so, yeah i guess sound of music's gonna be up there i'm really excited to watch the new west side story which i still haven't seen is it out yet by by spielberg uh, i don't know i've yeah i've heard of it it's got that um that well, i can't remember that guy's name in it um as adam at the one that was in Baby Driver. I can't remember that guy. You know the guy from Baby Driver, Matt? And Angel Elgert. Yeah, that's Helena, the guy. Helena, yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Helena. Oh, thanks, Helena. Um, what about La La Land, Chris? How, I haven't seen about? that just yet, but, uh, <laughs> but I, I'm looking forward to it. <clears throat> I was recently, I had my heart broken by In the Heights. Uh, Lin-Manuel used, well, Anthony Ramos. It was, it was a tour de force by Anthony Ramos, who was also in um, the original Hamilton cast. And you can see him... Uh, on Disney Plus, uh, uh, playing uh, Lafayette. No, pay, playing uh, Philip Lawrence and the Sun, as well. Um, and Anthony Ramos. It, it's it's beautiful to see those relationships. And my heart was broken by it because it's so stunning, and the the choreography is so beautiful throughout that piece. So that kind of broke my heart a little bit. I'm looking forward to Dear Evan Hansen, although I haven't seen that just yet with good old Ben. 
then plight a generational talent. And all, all these people, you know, yelling, why is a 30-year-old playing a 17-year-old? This doesn't make any sense. You know what? Um, ben Platt originated the role, um, and the guy's got a sensitivity towards this stuff that is yeah. exquisite. What a beautiful voice. What a beautiful actor. Well, look, um, look he's continuing the tradition of Greece. There's a lot of old actors playing very young high schoolers. <laughs> it's hard, hey. Because uh, if you really want a 17, there are so few 17 year olds in the world who have that, who have that worldliness, I suppose, to be able to play these, 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 these transitions in a skillful way. Cause you learn skill, you learn acting as you, as you, as you mature. Like I, yeah. I know I'm a better performer now than 10 years ago, but um, if you asked me 10 years ago, what my lacks were as an actor, I wouldn't be able to tell you. Yeah. Um, I don't really watch too many movie musicals. I know terrible, but you know, I'd fill the no. rest of them. Ah. Oh. Disney, good, good. How can you not, you know? How well, can the you animations. Up? You can pick an yeah. animated film. What about one of them? <laughs> Tangled, Mulan. I think Tangled, actually. My favourite duet before Frozen was um, the, oh. the, the, the the piece from Tangled. What's it called? Um, <clears throat> what's, the, what's the name with of that? With the lanterns? The one with all yeah, the, there we the go. lanterns and lights. Oh, that's a beautiful I see the light. Song. Yeah, At I last, I that. see the light. Stunning, yeah. with Mandy Moore. Who's yeah. had what about Mary Poppins? I am not a fan of Mary Poppins, <laughs> which is terrible. A couple of my classmates now were in the, the latest movie musical of it. Wow. Um, it's, it's, it's fun. Hey, it's fun, but it's just not my cup of tea. You know? And that's okay, too. That's all right. Um, I don't watch a lot of those things. I, I don't know what I, 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 I should probably watch. There's so much more that I should watch, but I don't. I need more time. More time. Give me more time. <laughs> No, that's pretty good. I, I like I like that Mandy Moore song too. I thought you know just some of the, the the music in those animated films are also pretty magical. I think you know you don't need it. Just goes to show that you know music kind of can make anything magical. You know you don't need I don't know. It's hard to explain. You know music is a hard to quantify thing. There's emotional information there that mm. strikes that gives us gives us pause, and it all happens mathematically, and it's beautiful. And there are patterns which are which are successful for a reason. I mean, mm. the Axis of Awesome have their four chords song, and it's it's something that I always use in my music lessons because it's effective. It's beautiful. If you don't know, friends, check out Axis of Awesome four chords. <laughs> yeah, I don't, um, I don't know that one. <laughs> and well, well, you you should look it up. No excuses after this. I will. And I Manny, will. <laughs> uh, Manny Moore, uh, while which is what we're talking about, her has had a lovely resurgence in her acting career. Did the life of us, and is this, is an exquisite. Yeah exquisite actress in that that's kind of if if i were to pattern my my life after anybody if i could and you know it's one of the first questions that professional agents will ask you who do you admire or what do you, what do you see yourself having if i could i would i would choose people like mandy more people like mandy patinkin people who haven't been constrained by one thing people who have throughout their years re-articulated and re-articulated again what their art means to them people who have um, who have a bravery uh, and and this, this this courage of exploring the edges of their craft? Um, why not do everything? Why not try things? Why why be fixated upon one goal and one goal only? Having said that, it was only two years ago you asked me what my job was to be in the West End, and I t I tell you that I'm here just to craft myself into the next Valjean. All of my all of my opportunities are, are headed straight down the Valjean line. Anything that isn't Valjean related, cut it aside. I'll do everything I possibly can to be Valjean. And now that idea is, um, that idea it kind of bores me. It kind of cuts me off from seeing the, uh, the, 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 the possibility of everything else out there. Mandy Fung.
Thank you, Helena. <laughs> those of you at home, uh, Helena is uh, has been has been typing things sneakily and cheekily all through the chat all this time. And it's like having a it's like having a friend comment um, alongside this. Uh, and she's like, a, she's, she's she's made you a new new name. Then you can officially be part of the Mandy Club by the sounds of it. <laughs> Mandy. <Why fool>. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Chris. Um, uh, it's been wonderful talking to you. Um, it is getting late on our end, so I probably, I probably need to go to bed soon. It was really but, lovely um, to meet you and hear, hear your story as well. Like, it's um, great, so great to, like, you know, hear all of the stuff that you've gone through and also, like, how much you've changed, like, ever since you started. Like, you know, just two years ago you wanted to be, was it John Valjean, and then now it's, like, you've kind of adapted to wanting to do your own thing. So, like it shows how how much as humans we adapt and we change over our life. Like our our priorities change. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure and a privilege talking to the both of you. Thank you so much for your time and thank you so much for sharing a little moment of your time with me today. Yep. No worries. Thank you so much. Um, we're just Bye guys. Bye, Chris. See you, Chris. See you, Chris. Uh, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. You can find our social media on Facebook and Instagram. Um, just look up X First Wire Podcast. And you can listen to the podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. Tune in to another episode of X First Wire coming soon. Thanks, guys. See you next time. See you, everyone. Bye-bye. Your light is very near